following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
I'm not interested in the teachings of the traditions of men. I am very concerned about the teachings of Jesus and the apostles as they walked out this new kingdom of God that had come upon the earth. The whole theme of Jesus' ministry was the coming of the kingdom of God and what that kingdom would look like. But Jesus had such a difficult time trying to help even his disciples make the transition into this wondrous kingdom of God that was right at the door as he taught them. Now, without a doubt, the most painful and difficult part of my ministry has been teaching the gospel of Jesus and having people listen, even be entertained, get nuggets of information and ideas, and then continue to walk in the stubbornness of their heart with no changes being made in the way they lived. That is utterly painful and difficult for any true teacher of God to see people continue down the path of being lukewarm, to continue rejecting the Holy Spirit, to be totally focused in their own thoughts and their own ideas, and never catch the deep truth of Jesus Christ. Now, we've just had this happen in Mark the sixth chapter. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I am utterly committed to you making progress in your walk with Jesus. But I will tell you now, to walk with Jesus is to walk against the world and the traditions of men. And much of what we find in the church today is simply the traditions of man. There is no biblical basis for it. It is simply a a religion. And the religion is comforting. One person I spoke with attends 
three or four worship services every Sunday. Formal, uh, liturgic, aesthetically pleasing, nuggets of information, but no deep work of the heart crying out for Jesus or the world for salvation. If you recall yesterday's broadcast, I dealt with Mark the sixth chapter. There were crowds, 5,000 men, probably another five to 10,000 women and children. He asked them to feed the crowd, and they said, frankly, we don't have the money. So he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Well, they said, we have five and two fish. So he directs the people to be seated in groups of 50 and 100. And he takes those five loaves of bread and he breaks them. And he gave them to the disciples to set before all of the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate. They were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. Then the people were going to come and make him king by force. So Jesus directed the disciples to get in the boat, to cross the sea, that he would meet them. And he goes up in the mountain to begin to pray. When evening came, Jesus could look out and see the boat in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was working against them, and about the fourth watch of the night he went out to them walking on the lake. And then comes this strange, incredible statement. He was about to pass them by as he walked on the water. They were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And he had compassion on them, spoke to them, saying, Take courage. Don't be afraid. He climbed into the boat with them, and instantly the wind stopped, and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, what's so frightening to me about this passage of Scripture is first that their hearts were hard and they could not understand the meaning of the loaves. Do you understand what the loaves meant? Or has your heart also been hardened? Jesus was about to pass them by because they could not understand the loaves and they were they had stony hearts these were the disciples now i am so grateful today that jesus did not walk away from the disciples 
But I want to warn you today. If you don't grasp an understanding of the loaves, Jesus may very well walk away from you. And then you're faced with the same thing that happened in Revelation as Jesus was teaching about the Laodicea church. And the final scene is Jesus standing, knocking at the door. Well, it's very clear this is not Jesus coming and knocking on your heart's door, begging to be let in. We are brought into Jesus Christ. He is the one we must be in, and if we are in him, he is in us. So what's this about? I'm not going to go in depth about it. I heard a wonderful teacher speak last night concerning this portion of Revelation. And he said, Jesus comes and knocks on the door of the church. Remember, this is to one of the churches. So he comes and knocks on the door of the church because he has been put out of the church. The church is filled with the traditions of man, with the rituals of man, with the liturgy of man. And Jesus warns, I will come and take the lampstand away from you. In other words, I will leave you. The most terrifying warning of Scripture is that if we are hard-hearted before the Lord, we are in danger of his leaving us. And we will be left alone to our own devices, going deeper and deeper into our own selfishness, and finally be lost in eternity. He's speaking here to religious people. Revelation, he was addressing one of the great churches of the day. Many of the great churches of our day, Jesus has already departed from them. Now, praise God, he's going to come back, and in revival, he's going to knock on their door one more time. And if they reject him, and hold to their traditions, both ritualistic and theological traditions, the Lord will finally totally abandon them to the hardness of their hearts. When the crowd, when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret, and there were crowds that immediately came to them. They ran to meet Jesus, and they carried the sick on mats because they heard he was there. He went into the villages and the towns and the countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. There was a great outpouring of healing from Jesus to help the disciples understand the hardness of their hearts, their unbelief in Jesus. I'm going to go deeper with that in just a moment. 
Now, the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the super-religious of the day. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that they considered to be unclean, unwashed. You see, the Pharisees and all of the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. This is not a biblical washing. This is a traditional washing. When they came from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they go through this ceremonial washing. Yes, you can wash your hands with soap, but then you must go through the ritual of the ceremonial washing. And they also observe many other traditions, such as washing the cups and the pitchers, the kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with clean hands, with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but the rules taught by men. There are many teachings that are from men. People who speak about Pentecost, speak about many aspects of of walking in the spirit of angels they're they're blown up in their minds they're they're proud in their hearts but this is not from Jesus this pride this arrogance so Countless times I hear people say, I love Jesus, but their hearts are far from him. I hear and see people go to church Saturdays, Sundays, Wednesday nights, Bible studies, but their hearts are far from Jesus. They go because it gives them some emotional comfort. But they're far from Jesus. What do I mean? I mean that when they go out to live their life in the world during the week, there is no basic change in their attitude of judgmentalism, of Phariseeism. There's no change. There's no weeping before God, searching after him. It just isn't there. They don't find the deeper truth regarding the loaves. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He went on to describe for them 
in detail some of the things that they were doing very specifically, like setting aside the command to honor your father and your mother by setting it aside for the work of the tabernacle or temple. By their traditions, they nullify the word of God and many things they do like that. Now, Jesus called the crowd to him, not the Pharisees and not the scholars. And he said, listen to me, everyone, understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean. By going into him. Now, can I be difficult for some of you who are listening? There are certain foods you will not eat. I was raised in a home where we never were allowed to have pork or bacon, where shellfish were not welcome, where we kept the Old Testament commands regarding foods. Well, those weren't the traditions of man, were they? They were given as a a sign to point ahead to the purity of our Lord Jesus Christ. But some today insist on continuing to keep all of the Jewish laws of diet. This is what Jesus is talking about. He says it's, a man is not made unclean by eating bacon. Now, I don't often eat bacon or pulled pork, but frankly, it tastes wonderful. But Jesus now wants to make a new understanding. He says, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he left the crowd, he went into a house. His disciples went with him. And they asked him about what they called this parable. And he responds, are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of the body. So in saying this, Jesus is declaring all foods clean. He went on. This is verse 20 of Mark 7. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of a man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from within and make a man unclean. Now, I want you to notice, Jesus is saying that fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all of this makes a man unclean. In our culture today, we say, 
Oh no, we have to love everybody. You know what? Jesus does love everyone. But he will leave you to your own devices. And you will enter in hell. He's saying, stealing, murdering. And remember, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said that if you're angry with your brother, you've already committed murder. You've become unclean by your anger. Adultery, greed. If you lust after money, it will make you unclean. Malice. If you refuse to forgive someone, it will make you unclean. If you're angry with someone and demand from them, it will make you unclean. Deceit, lying, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. These are evils that come from inside and make a person unclean. Now, Jesus, how do I put this? Jesus has had it. He's done for a bit. So he leaves that place and heads to the vicinity of Tyre where hopefully no one will know him. He enters a house. He didn't want anyone to know where he was. Do you know Jesus will sometimes just get totally disgusted? Just leave. And he doesn't want anybody to know where he's at. He couldn't keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as this woman heard about him, he had not planned on her. A woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Seraphonicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Demons are unclean. And this woman is saying, Would you wash my daughter? Would you send this demon out of her? And Jesus answers in such a strange way. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Jesus was very much fitting in now with the cultural expectation of the day. He would not deal with her. I want you to see something. She answers, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She knew she had no right to approach Jesus. It was not appropriate. But she did approach him, and she made her request known. And when Jesus answered, saying this very harsh-sounding thing, but even the dogs under the table even the, I'm sorry, but let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she answers, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. This woman 
did not respond with bitterness and anger. And Jesus says, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Now Jesus, again, leaves Tyre and heads back to the Sea of Galilee, to the ten cities, the Decapolis. And the people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. I'm going to go through this very quickly, for I want you to catch the true depth of what I'm speaking of today. He healed this man. A large crowd gathers. They've had nothing to eat. And Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get bread to feed them? Well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go again. What's the meaning of the loaves? Is your heart hard? Or do you understand? Seven, they replied. Again he told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them and also told the disciples to distribute them, and the people ate and were satisfied. And afterward the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. About four thousand men were present. And then he sent them away. And he got into the boat with the disciples and went to the region of Jamaltha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them, got back in the boat, and crossed to the other side. Wait a minute. They come at Jesus with sharp questions of unbelief because he is rebuking the hardness of their hearts. And instead of softening their hearts, instead of understanding what the loaves and the fishes meant, they demand a sign. They've already had many, many signs. The land is full of the signs of Jesus bringing forth the kingdom of God. Verse 13, then he left them. Has Jesus left you because you are obeying the rules taught by men and going through the rituals of the church, honoring him with your lips while your hearts are far from him? Do you worship in vain and leave the church service as empty as when you arrived, perhaps gaining some intellectual understanding, but in your spirit you are still as lonely and broken 
and desperate as you were before? Or are you one of those that are just unconscious? You go, it doesn't matter what happens, you've punched your ticket, you're on your way. This breaks my heart. Jesus got back in the boat and he left them. I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit, when he comes to you, will also leave if he has faced this hardness of heart. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread in the excitement of feeding this huge crowd. They had given everything away and forgot to bring bread with them on the trip. They had one loaf. Jesus sees their concern that they don't have bread, and he says to them, Be careful. Jesus warned them, Watch out for the yeast the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, if you look at Luke 12.1, you discover that Jesus is speaking about the hypocrisy. Jesus is speaking about saying, I love Jesus, and then acting as a pagan. Jesus is rebuking them for their hardness of heart, for not understanding what he means by the loaves and the fishes. He's had to do it twice now. When will they begin to catch on? Aware of their discussion, he asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but they fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven. Let's understand this. There are twelve tribes in Israel. There was bread for the twelve tribes. And now... Seven. Seven is the number of perfection. There's enough bread for the Gentiles. This issue is so crucial. I want to read something for you. John, the sixth chapter. I'll begin with verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose one of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. 
For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. Now let's look at verse 50. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Are you beginning to catch the meaning of the loaves? They represent, they are a sign pointing to the body of Jesus Christ that will be offered as an atonement for their sin. They don't understand. Jesus said this. The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Well, he's not speaking here about physically eating him. He's not talking here about cannibalism. He's speaking here spiritually. Remember, the Father wants those to worship him in spirit and in truth not in spirit and the traditions of man. He wants you to worship in spirit and in truth what is real. You cannot find what is real on the television set. You cannot find what is real in the theater. You cannot find what is real in the novels and the stories. You cannot find what is real in that which is false. Jesus is saying, the Father wants those to worship him in spirit and in truth. So now Jesus says to them in verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. What's he talking about? He's saying, there is only one source of nourishment for your soul. And that is my flesh. My teachings. My words. My scripture. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. What are you remaining in today? Are you remaining in the traditions of the elders? Are you remaining in your comfortable little intellectual hole? While you accommodate everything in the world. It's time to get our house in order. It's time to put aside the things of the flesh, the things that make us filthy before Jesus. It's time to be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's time to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It means you ask the Spirit of the living God, 
to bring you into his school and begin to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. To be made in the image and likeness of Jesus. He says in verse 57, Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. In other words, Jesus wants to be your source, your source of nourishment and strength, not the ways of the world, not the things that make you unclean. He wants you to recognize that it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And what makes a man unclean is when he worships the Lord, but his heart is far from him. I used to be very, very troubled, and still am, when I go to a worship service. And as soon as the worship service is over, the conversations explode, and they explode about all the things that these dear ones feast on. The guys pull together and talk about the football game. Everybody begins to talk about their worldly interests. Very seldom in any church do I see people pull together and begin to pray one with another and struggle to understand what was just spoken by the pastor. Do you see? We're going to have to get very serious about Jesus. We're going to have to get our houses in order and put away all sin. Put away the world's entertainment. Don't touch it. Put away the lust of the flesh. Don't touch it. Put away lust for money. Don't touch it. Be filled with the presence of Jesus. Repent. Repent. Turn away from the world, the flesh, and the devil. He goes on. Verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this in the synagogue at Capernaum. I've stood beside that synagogue in Capernaum. I wish I could have been there to hear him say this, but I hear it now. Many of his disciples says, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Because they want a mixed diet of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and a little bit of Jesus. They like his miracles. They like his kindness. They, they like Jesus, but they don't want to eat Jesus. Aware that his disciples are grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. 
The words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that the one that no one can come to me unless the Father enables him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus said to his disciples, Do you want to leave too? And they answered, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, I have just one more brief passage of Scripture that I've used many times, but I need to share it with you today. It's found in Luke, the 11th chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 9. And so I say to you, you must keep on asking. If you look in the King James Version or you look in the NIV, it will say, ask and it will be given to you. But the literal translation from the Greek is a continuous action. You must keep on asking. What do you keep on asking for? For the bread of heaven, to understand how to walk with Jesus, to understand what is required of you. To not be casual about this coming of Jesus in power and glory in the skies. We've got to be ready for Jesus to come. He says you must keep on asking. And it will be given to you. You must keep on seeking and you will find. You must keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. For everyone asking receives, and the one seeking will find, and to the one knocking it will be opened. What is it that's going to be opened? It's going to be the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. It is going to be the fire off the altar of God that Isaiah had touched his lips. You will not make much progress in Jesus without the true power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, This is not about receiving Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. This is about receiving the one he sent to take his place, the Holy Spirit, to teach us the way of righteousness. Are you ready? Have you put away sin in your life? Are you asking and seeking? Are you asking and seeking and knocking to understand the depths of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The disciples were superficial, but there's no longer any reason for any of us to be superficial and be lost. We must understand that Jesus is everything. 
And the Holy Spirit wants to teach us about Jesus. The job of the Holy Spirit is now to teach us everything that Jesus taught and to bring about the glory of God in our hearts and lives by the power of the blood shed on Calvary's tree. Jesus loves you, but he will walk away from you. Shall I say that again? Jesus loves you, but he will walk away from you. If you have a hard heart, and you think you can keep the traditions of man, he will walk away from you, and all you will have left are the empty rituals of religion. He has already left many churches in the Washington metro area. He has walked away. He has removed their lampstand. So now their places of entertainment, jokes, laughter, all kinds of foolishness. Why? Hardness of heart. Lusting after the things of darkness. Being offended by the rebuke of the righteous. Jesus will walk away from you. He will walk away from a church. Oh, he'll come back at some point by grace and he'll knock on their door. But they have no interest in welcoming Jesus back. It would mean they'd have to change their theology. They'd have to leave their sin. I mean, one great church in Washington proclaims loudly that you cannot leave your sin. You will always be a sinner. And by so doing, they deny the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has walked away from them and left them to their own empty rituals. Has Jesus walked away from you? Are you devoid of the Spirit? There's only one road back. And that's the road of repentance. Where you individually come before God and begin to deal with the depth of your sin. Where you recognize the adultery you've been in. You recognize the fornication. You recognize the pot, pain, the drugs, the pills. Where you recognize bitterness anger and malice where you recognize the sin that is so clutching your heart there's only one way out of those chains and that is on your face before God repenting of your hardness of heart will you repent today almighty God I plead your mercy for the people who have listened to this broadcast and for the people of Washington. Lord, I plead today for your mercy. I ask, please don't leave us, but come and confront us in our sin. Come and deal to the very bottom. Lord, help us. 
I cry out to you asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Please come, Lord. Have your way in our hearts. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. What are you going to do with this message? Write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Would you watch as the offering plate goes by right now, and would you give generously as the Holy Spirit calls you that this broadcast could remain on air and February could be paid for? You can go to nationalprayerchapel.com Decide. You're also welcome to come to Sunday morning at the National Prayer Chapel. Call 703-489-1785 and I'll give you directions. God bless you. I love you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with